Thank you for joining us for today's message. We are always so encouraged to hear how God is using Adventure Church to speak into your life. If you have a story you'd like to share, please do so at adventure.church slash mystory. Also, if you'd like to support Adventure Church financially, you can do that online and help us bring messages just like this one to you each and every week. Now let's prepare to hear a word from God. And we're glad you're here today. We're going to be continuing on in our series we've been in this summer called When in Rome. And we've been looking at the book of Romans and Paul's instructions to them. This church that he did not plant, that he had a desire to go to and be a part of, and he just couldn't get there for whatever reason. So he sends kind of these instructions to the church that was forming there. In the last few weeks, we've just kind of been talking about what he says and, and how he empowers us as believers. We've, we've been this, this theme throughout is, I can't. But God can, so go ahead and do it, right? Lord, I can't. What a relief to just be able to recognize that, that we can't handle everything, we can't do everything. But thankfully, we serve a God who, who is in us and lives through us that can, and so we give him permission to do that. Uh, we talked about last week the storms of life and how we can navigate those tough times and the purpose of them and how God uses them to shape our lives and his purpose in us and that he's always working in our lives and there's a process that he's preparing us for and and that there's a purpose that, that we have to accomplish. And so when we get the right perspective, we can begin to see those things. And so today, we're going to shift a little bit. Again, Paul kind of goes all over the place. In the last few weeks, we've been, it's been all about you, okay? How you can be better and how God loves you and the purpose he has for you. And that, that's really good and it feels good. Today, it's going to be about now that God's doing something in you, what is the purpose of that? And we've said this at Adventure Church all the time, that the reason God does something in you is because he has a desire desire and a, a purpose to do something through you. And God does a work in your life so he can do a work through your life. And today we're going to talk about not you, but what those around you may need and how Paul instructs the church in Rome, how they are to go and to share what God's doing. But before we get into that, how many of you love cruises? Anybody been on a cruise? Let me see if you've been on a cruise, just, just wave at me, right? For me, it's like literally like the, my, the favorite thing that I can do. Jess and I went on three cruises uh, for our honeymoon and then our one and two year anniversary. Then we had Riley and we haven't been on one since. And I, and I miss them. And in fact, so much so that, that this fall, uh, we're going to go on a cruise, and we're actually taking the kids, so I don't even know if it's going to be fun or not, but uh, we're going to find out, but we're taking the kids, and, and we just love cruises, and one of the reasons I love them is just because it's, it's a total disconnect, right? Like, uh, I don't, I'm, I'm cheap, so I don't pay to have, like, the internet while I'm on vacation. I'm like, what do I need that for? You know, uh, I, I won't be able to update you on my Instagram of how much fun we're having, but, but we just shut the phone off. You put it in a safe in your room for the week, and, and you're done. And so it's a total disconnect. And then the other amazing thing about cruise ships is that literally you can get whatever you want whenever you want. It's amazing, right? I don't even know how they do it, but like you get up in the morning and go to breakfast, you come back and your room is cleaned. They made your bed for you, right? They folded little towels in the shapes of animals. They leave little notes and things for your kids, all that fun stuff. And then you go and you eat all day and you lay around and, and you can go snorkeling. You can do as much as you want to or as little as you want to, right? And if you wake up at 2.30 in the morning and just happen to feel like you want some pizza, you can have pizza at 2.30 in the morning. I wouldn't suggest it, but you can if you want to do that, right? It's just an amazing experience. And that's the amazing thing about cruise ships is that you can have whatever you want. It's all about you. You pay the money so that they're, they serve you all week. They clean your room. They wait on you hand and foot. They take care of everything that you need. If you need anything, they bring it. They take care of it. It's an amazing thing. 
But sometimes in the church world, we can begin to think of church as kind of like a cruise ship. And it becomes a very consumeristic culture. And we live in a consumeristic culture where, where that's what it is. You know, you pay good money to have things the way you want them and, and, and the, the timeless that you want them, right? You go to a restaurant, and if the service is a little bit off, right, you're, you're letting Facebook know about it. Don't go here, right? You wouldn't believe it. We had to wait this much time, and this was like, right? We live in a consumeristic culture. And if it's not careful, the consumerism can can kind of make its way into the church and, and creep into our lives and creep into how we view church and how things are supposed to be. And, and we work very hard here at Adventure Church to make it a comfortable experience for you. Uh, we work very hard to make sure that, that people feel welcomed. But this is not a cruise ship, okay? This is a fishing boat. This is a fishing boat, right? Jesus has called us to be fishers of men, and and the church has always been a fishing boat and not a cruise ship. Cruise ship's main purpose is to entertain those on board, few work while everyone else sits on the rear ends, right? That's just the way it is. That's why we love cruises. Happiest moment is when we're all entertained, right? But a fishing boat, the mentality, if you think about like the show Deadliest Catch, right, And, and, and the work that goes in, right, the main purpose of the fishing boat is to catch fish, it's the, the, the livelihood of the, of, the, of the boat depends on it. Everyone works hard. And the happiest moment on a fishing boat is when they bring in the nets, is when they bring in the metal crates and it's full of fish and full of crab. That's the happiest moment. In Adventure Church, we have to make sure that we don't become a cruise ship because Jesus has called us to be fishers of men. This is what Paul says in Romans 10 as he kind of is giving instructions about how it is supposed to be once we've come to know Christ, the type of attitude, the mentality we're supposed to have. Romans 10, 9 through 10, and then verses 14 and 15, he says this, if you openly declare that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For it is by believing in your heart that you are made right with God, and it is by openly declaring your faith that you are saved. We love this passage. We, we talk about this every week. Confess with your mouth, believe in your heart. If you do that, you can receive the free gift of salvation. It's an amazing thing that God offers us, and it's simply by believing. But then Paul goes on, and he says, but how can they call on him to save them unless they believe in him? And how can they believe in him and if they've never heard about him? And how can they hear about him unless someone tells them? And how will anyone go and tell them without being sent? This is why the scriptures say, how beautiful are the feet of the messengers who bring good news. So if we reverse this passage a little bit, we kind of get our marching orders from Paul. He says, someone's, someone's gotta go. Somebody has to go and tell people about Jesus, about the good news that we have, that if you simply put your faith and your trust in him, you are made right with God. You can enter into right relationship with God. And when you go and tell them, people will listen and hear because they're desperate for the good news. And when they hear the good news, they're gonna believe and put their faith in Jesus when they call on his name. And every week we give people an opportunity here at Adventure Church to do that. To say, if you have not called upon the name of Jesus, If you have not put your faith in him today, you can do that by simply believing in your heart who Jesus is, that he loves you, that he cares about you, that he's a pain for your life, and putting your faith in him, confessing your need for him. So today I want to give you three things to make sure that that we stay a fishing boat, 
here at Adventure Church to make sure that we stay on target for the mission because God's been doing a work in you with the purpose of doing a work through you. And today, the first thing we need to realize that Paul is saying here is you've been sent, okay? You have been sent. Not just me, not just the pastor, not just the staff. You have been sent. Every Christ follower, everyone who has put their faith in Jesus has now been sent. And if you didn't know, now you know. Look at your neighbor and say, now you know. Now you know, now you're accountable to that truth. Paul says, how will anyone hear if someone doesn't go and tell them? If we kind of rewind all the way back to Romans chapter 1, this is what Paul says. He says, for I have a great sense of obligation, listen to these words he used, to people both in the civilized world and the rest of the world, to the educated and the uneducated alike. So he says, to every person, I, I feel obligated to every person. He says, so I'm eager to come to you in Rome to preach, tell you the good news. Then he goes on in verse 16, he says, for I'm not ashamed of this good news about Christ. It's the power of God at work, saving everyone who believes, the Jew first, also the Gentile. This good news tells us how God makes us right in his sight. Listen to those words, obligation. He says, I, I, I feel an obligation to tell others the good news about Jesus. And today, I want to ask you that. Do you have an obligation? Do you sense an obligation with what God's done in you and for your marriage and for your family and for your kids and the hope that you have and, and the peace that you have in the midst of the storm, all these things we've been talking about through the series, do you then sense this obligation that, man, God's done something in me, but he's doing something in me with the purpose of doing something through me? That I'm obligated to this good news. He, he uses the word eager. I'm eager. I'm excited to tell people. I'm, I'm eager. I, 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 look, I look for opportunities to, to share this news with people. He says, I'm not ashamed. I'm not ashamed of this good news. You see, in Paul's day, Paul was in prison. He was, he was in prison a ton. He was beat. He was, he was persecuted for his faith. And he says, and I'm, I'm not ashamed about the good news, even to the point that I'm willing to talk about the good news of Jesus to where they're going to kill me for it. And here we, we shy back because it's not politically correct. Because it might possibly offend someone that we have. Remember, it's, it's good news. It's good news. God loves you. He cares about you. He has a purpose for you. Regardless of what you've done, he forgives you. He welcomes you into his family. Folks, we have good news. It's not bad news. We got enough bad news, right? You have good news for people. You have good news to share, and Paul says, I'm not ashamed. You see, it's easy to allow the pressures of this world to keep us quiet, to just sit back and blend in, and Paul says, no, 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 no. No, I'm eager. I'm obligated because of what God's done in me to allow him to do something through me. Listen to what Jesus says. He said in Mark chapter 8, he says, when he was calling the crowd to join the disciples, he said to them, if any of you wants to be my follower, you must give up your own way, take up your cross, follow me. If you try to hang on to your life, you'll lose it. But if you give up your life for my sake, for the sake of the good news, the good news, you'll actually save it. And what do you benefit if you gain the whole world, but you lose your soul? Is anything more valuable than your soul? Then Jesus says this, these are his words, not mine. If, you, if anyone is ashamed of me 
in my message of good news in these adulterous and sinful days, then the Son of Man will be ashamed of that person when he returns in the glory of his Father with holy angels. I don't know about you, but that convicts me a little bit. Not you, just me, okay. It's convicting that there's times and even in my walk as a pastor that I allow certain things to silence the good news about Jesus. That I'm in situations and, and, and there's an opportunity and regardless of the obligation or the eagerness to, to I, I shy back because I'm afraid of the potential consequences of, of sharing my faith and telling someone about the good news because I, I don't know how they'll respond and, and they could reject me or they could, you know, say something or tweet something or post something or I don't know. So I shy away from that. And Jesus says, if, if, if when you are presented with an opportunity to, to share the good news and, and you shy away because you're ashamed or you're afraid of what may possibly happen, he says, there's a problem. If you're ashamed of me, I'm ashamed of you. And knowing what I know about what Jesus has done for me, I would never, ever want to put him in a position where I would be shameful in his sight. So today I want to tell you, don't allow the ways of this world to silence the good news in you. You have been sent to your world, not the entire world, right? God isn't putting the pressure of saving the entire world not your entire workplace, not your entire neighborhood. How about one neighbor? How about one coworker? There's, there's at least one in your world, in your world, not my world, in your world, that no one else who's representing Jesus will have the opportunity to share the good news about what God is doing in the world. You've been sent to your world, your family members, your friends. Jesus in Matthew 28, he says this, Jesus came to his disciples, he said, I've been given all authority in heaven and on earth. I'm the authority. I'm the one in charge. He says, therefore, go. Go. Been sent. Take action. Make disciples of all nations. Baptize in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. Teach these new disciples to obey the commands I've given you and be sure of this. I am always going to be with you, even to the very end. I'm with you. You go, I go with you. You never go alone. Today, you need to know that you've been sent. You have an obligation to share the good news in your world, the people that God has placed in your life. And once we go, then we need to share our story, the steps that Paul talks about. Today, I want to tell you, you've been sent, and you've been sent with a message. It's the good news, but also what the good news has done for you. Your story. And simply what you need to do when you go, when you're in your world, and when the opportunity presents itself, just share your story, what God has done for you. You go, I'm, I'm not a preacher, right? I'm not like you, Kyle. I don't have that bold. I don't have that. Listen, you don't have to be like me. You don't have to be like anyone else. You have a story that's unique to you, and you can share that story with people. People want to know your business, Right? They stalk you on Facebook for to know your business. So just tell them your business. Tell them your story. Tell them why you get up on Sunday mornings and drag your whole family to church even when you were up late the night before. Why you serve and why you do the things you do. Why you give financially. Just tell people your story. Tell people what God's done in your life. 
God saved you. He gave you hope. He's saving your marriage. He's giving you a purpose. Gives you peace. He gives you joy. Share your story. We tell our kids all the time, sharing is... Yeah, some parents are here with me, right? I don't want to share my toys, son. Maddox, sharing is caring. They say it all the time. It's a little mantra. Daddy, I shared. Sharing is caring. That's right, buddy. Sharing is caring. And I think about that when it comes to our faith, right? Sharing is caring. You have good news. And people are desperate for good news. I'm telling you, you have neighbors who are desperate for good news for their marriage. They're, they're desperate to know that there's hope for them. There's, there's hope for their kids, that, that, that God can set them free from their addiction. As we've talked about in the series, that, that, it, that God has saved you from death, yes, eternal life, but also for life, that, that he can set you free, that you can live in victory, that you can be who he created you to be. And there's people all around us here in Northern Columbus, in Powell, and Lewis Center, in Westerville, and Delaware, wherever you come from, that are, that are desperate for good news. And if you don't share, what you're saying is, is I don't care. And I know that's kind of harsh, but isn't that the truth? Sharing is caring, and if I withhold good news from someone, it's because I don't really care. Jesus challenges us to to share. I think about some of you on Facebook, right? If I were to go on your Facebook page, I could tell a lot about what you're excited about and what you care about by what you share, right? You see a post that you like, share button. That's why Facebook has it. Sharing is caring. I share things I'm excited about. I love that, that post. I love what God's doing here. I love what, what that this is about. And so I share that post because I want other people on my feed to see this news that I'm excited about, that it's, that it's, that's cool. And we'll share all, all about our political views, right? In the political season, I, I unfollowed some of you because you shared way too much. <laughs> right? We, we share those things. We share when our sports team wins. We'll share about the Buckeyes and we'll share the, the recent hype video that's coming out. And we'll share when our kids do something and this and that, right? Sharing is caring. We, we share what we're excited about. But how many of you share the news that trumps every other news, the good news, the gospel of Jesus, that there's hope? Sharing is caring. We have the greatest message in the world. And today I got to ask you, do you care that your friends, that your loved ones are living without hope, that are dying without salvation? Do you care? Paul says you've been sent. And you got to tell people the good news so that they can hear about what Jesus has done for them. So you got to go. You got to share your story. You ain't got to preach the Bible. You don't have to pull out scripture. Just share your story. Share what God has done for you. A simple way of caring and showing others who Jesus is. And then you can extend an invitation. So you share your story. And then you extend an invitation. At every major intersection of your life, there's an invitation, right? You are in this world because of a series of invitations. At some point, your father asked your mother to go on a date. It started with an invitation. Well, someone's saying yes. 
The best moments of our life, our biggest regrets, are often because of an invitation. An invitation can change everything. And what we work very hard to do at Adventure Church is to make this a place that you'll never be ashamed to bring your friends. You'll never be ashamed to invite a family member, to invite a coworker. We work very hard to make this a welcoming place that welcomes people from all walks of life, regardless of where they're at, regardless of what they're going through, that they're welcome here, that they belong first before they ever need to believe what we believe or behave how they think they're supposed to behave. You belong first. We work very hard to create a culture. When we planted this church almost four years ago, that was the mission is that we're gonna help people discover new life in Christ. We're gonna help them discover who God created them to be and to, to know that there's hope and that, there's, that, that, that change is possible, that God is a God of the impossible and he can take any situation and turn it around if you'll simply allow him to come in. And, and we've worked very hard and one of the greatest compliments I ever get as a pastor, as we get as a staff here, is when people come in and they go, I felt welcomed, I felt accepted, I'd never been to a church like this before, and, and I felt like I belonged here. I felt like I finally had family, and it, it, it takes intentionality to make that kind of culture happen because we naturally continue to go to the consumeristic side. We naturally want to just float on the cruise ship, even on Sundays, and we work really hard to keep it a fishing boat, and we're always pushing you and, and challenging you to get in the game and, and to join the mission and serve and, and to begin to work on the boat with us because God's bringing fish every week. And, and you got to catch the fish before you can clean them, right? And so sometimes fishing is messy, and people come, and, and, and there's challenges, but, but we work very hard to create a place where you will be excited to just extend an invitation to come. We even print cards that you can hand out. We even do things on Facebook that you can share, events that you can share and things that just say, hey, there's a place for you to come to hear about the good news of Jesus. We want that to be. You know, I grew up in church, and I'm just being honest with you, the church that I grew up in, I didn't want to invite people. I wasn't ashamed of Jesus. I was just ashamed of some of the people that claimed to be Jesus followers and how they treated people. I literally have been in churches where someone would be sitting in a seat and someone would walk up to a new person and go, that's my seat. What are you doing in my seat? Oh, sorry, I didn't see your name on it, you know? Like the culture was consumer. This is my seat. This is my place. This is my kind of music. I like it when it's like this. It's too hot. It's too cold. It's, right? We ran out of coffee. Some of you freak out when we run out of coffee. <laughs> if they come up to me, I'll be ready to preach. Hey, pastor, hey, oh, yeah, what's going on? Hey, did you know you're out of coffee out there? Oh, I'm, I'm, I'm sorry. I didn't know. I'll make sure we, we get a fresh pot boiling for you, right? But it's, it's consumer, and I'm happy you have coffee, right? We work hard so you can have coffee so you can stay awake, right? But, but God wants us to, to make sure that when it comes to his kingdom, when it comes to his purpose, that we stay focused on the mission. And his mission is that, that all would know, right? We, we, we talked about this as in our This is the End series, that, that Jesus is going to come back for his church at some point. And we should be anticipating that, that we should look forward to that day, that Jesus is going to come back 
that he's gonna rescue his church. But in 2 Peter 3, 9, this is what Peter was referring to, the promise that he's talking about. He says, the Lord is not slow in keeping his promise. That means coming back for us. He's not slow, as some understand slowness. Instead, he is patient with you, not wanting anyone to perish, but everyone to come to repentance. And when I read this this week, I just had this mental image of Jesus holding himself back, restraining himself, seeing the state of our world, seeing the state of his church, wanting so desperately to come back and rescue his kids. But he holds back and he says, not yet, I gotta wait, because so many have yet to hear. So many have yet to know the good news that I've came. So many have yet to experience the life that I offered them through my death, through my crucifixion. So I'm patiently waiting. And what is he waiting for? You and me. To share the good news. To tell others about the good news because his desire is that everyone will have an opportunity. Tell people this all the time. You want Jesus to come back? Yes, I do, so desperately. Start sharing the good news. He's waiting. He's being patient for the sake of those who have yet to hear the good news about who he is and what he's done. And we have to be willing to extend that invitation. An invite can change someone's life. You have the ability to change the trajectory of someone's family and and their entire life through a single or a series of invitations. And that's the way our church has primarily grown. If you were to to say, how did you hear about Adventure Church? Some of you would say, oh, I drove by or I found it online. But the majority of people would say, someone invited me. Someone told me that they found a church, that God was doing something in their life. They shared their story, and it it intrigued me to the point that I wanted to come. Just last week, someone sent me a message and said, I've been inviting someone and sharing the good news for two years with someone, and they finally came this week. And at the end of service, when you gave an invitation, they said yes. Two years, she prayed. Two years, she invited, and she came in and received Christ. That's what it's all about. That's what Jesus was all about. And here at Adventure Church, we believe that everyone can reach someone. Everyone can reach someone. It's on our wall. It's a core value of what we believe. That your walk with Christ and and your maturity as a believer is not complete until you begin to share the good news. You're not fully a disciple, Jesus said, unless you're willing to lay down your life, to to pick up your cross and to follow after me, to be willing to forfeit the success and what this world considers to be success, and you, you lay it aside, and you begin to reach out, and simply by extending an invitation, can change someone's life. Jesus in Matthew 4, as he calls his disciples, he said, come follow me. What did Jesus do? Extended an invitation. Come follow me. I'll show you how to fish for people. In John 1, 40 through 42, we actually see this biblical model of inviting. Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, was one of these men who heard what John said and then followed Jesus. So So Andrew, 
said yes to Jesus' invitation, began to follow him. Andrew then went to find his brother Simon and told him, we have found the Messiah, which means Christ. Then Andrew brought Simon, Peter, to meet Jesus. Looking intently at Simon, Jesus said, your name is Simon, son of John, but you would be called Cephas, which means Peter, which means the rock. And Peter was the rock on which Jesus built his church. So you and I are here today because of Peter and his boldness and his witness and his willingness to preach the gospel unto crucifixion where he was crucified upside down for his faith in Jesus. You and I are here because of a series of invitations that started over 2,000 years ago. You see, Andrew met the Messiah. There's good news. I gotta tell my brother. I gotta go get my brother. This is the guy we've been waiting for. Hey, Simon, come here, man. We gotta go. I'm gonna, he literally brought him to Jesus. And then can you imagine, you meet the Messiah and it says Jesus was looking intently into his eyes. He says, you're no longer Simon. You're Peter. You're the foundation. You're Petros, the rock that I'm gonna build my church on. Peter's life was dramatically changed because of an invitation to meet Jesus. You see, saved people, as Andrew shows us, they save people. When you've been saved, when you've been set free, when you've been forgiven, when you've been offered hope, when you've been offered purpose, when you've been offered joy, there's gotta be something in you, Paul says, that makes you feel obligated and eager to share what you've been given. And we can simply, by extending invitations, help people meet Jesus. So today I don't want to tell you and make you feel convicted because all of you are looking at me like you really do feel convicted. And that's good because I do too. But, but we, we can't miss opportunities that we have. As you're sharing your story, there's, there's a thing that we've talked about here before. This is probably the third or fourth time that I've shared this with you that we call the three little knots. And we took this from a church in Georgia called North Point Church. We stole it from them. And it says, when you're talking to people, when you're sharing your story, when you're in conversations at the grocery store, whatever it may be, you listen for these three little knots. The first one is this. I'm not in church. I'm not in church. Okay. Great. Or things are not going well. Things aren't going well for us. We lost our job and we're not sure what's going to happen and we're trying to sell our home and, you know, there's issues and, and this and that. Things just aren't going well for me. Or not prepared for it. We just moved. There's, we had a new baby. There's a new job. And we, and we just weren't prepared for that. So when you hear these things, we're not in church. Things aren't going well. And, and, and we weren't just prepared for what happened, the sudden death and this and that. It's simple. You say something like this. Really? Really? Well, you should come to church with me this Sunday. Things aren't going well. Oh, Really? Really? Man, I'll tell you what, you should come to church with me sometime. Even this Sunday would be cool. They have free root beer floats. You like root beer? They got free root beer floats. You should come to church. Pastor's a little crazy, but the music's really good. You should come. You should come sometime. I'd love for you to come. In fact, I could meet you somewhere before if you want and just make sure we walk in together. You know, I'll wait for you in the parking lot. I'll wait, you don't have to walk in alone, and, and I'll walk you in, and I'll, I'll help your kids get checked in. You should come to church with me sometime. That you look for that opportunity. And it's really that simple. 
doesn't matter what series we're in, doesn't matter what's going on that Sunday, every week, I promise you, we will preach the good news. I will tell people about Jesus. And I will extend an invitation for them to respond to what God is doing and how he's moving in their life. Every week, without fail, regardless of what we're preaching on. And I can preach on money, I can preach on marriage, I can preach on anything. And almost every time someone says, yeah, I need Jesus. Extending an invitation can change someone's life. So we're gonna practice this real quick, okay? We're just gonna practice. Practice makes perfect. I'm preparing you, I'm equipping you, I'm helping you, all right? So I'm, I'm, I'm the person you've just shared your story with or you ran into the grocery store and your kids, you know, started fighting each other and you're like breaking them up and, and all of a sudden you, she goes, yeah, things just aren't going well. We just moved into the area and it's, they haven't really found friends yet. And you would say, really? You should come to church this Sunday. Wow, you guys are pretty good. Let's try one more time. Man, things just aren't going well. And you have to say well, too, right? It's just casual. It just makes it a little less informal. Really? Well. You should come to church this Sunday. It's really that easy. And you can have a stack of invite cards in your purse or in your pocket, in your wallet, in your car. And you can go, in fact, here's the website. Here's, here's where it's at. Let me know if you want to come. Actually, here's my number. If you need anything, let me know. I'd love to introduce you to my church family. It's changed me, I believe, it can change you. And you go, hey, that's a little awkward, isn't it, sometimes? Try it for me. Hey, come listen to me preach. <laughs> hey, you should come to my church. You should come listen to me preach for 35, sometimes 40 minutes. I'm, I'm, I'm almost done. <laughs> the clock is flashing at me, right? Come. Experience life. There's people in your world your world, not mine, your neighborhood, your workplace, your family, your friends that are just waiting for an invitation. And here's the tough part. They say, statistics say, that it takes about six invitations for one yes. So you keep inviting. Sometimes you get lucky and they come on the first try but you keep inviting. And we have friends and family day coming up in just a couple weeks where we have a day that's specifically set up to reach people who are far from God, who have yet to discover that. We're starting a new series called Little Big Things that I'm really excited about. We're gonna have some fellowship and food, some fun elements that day. We're gonna have child dedication, so it's an easy way for you to invite your family, right? You just rope them in by saying, hey, we're dedicating our kids, so you gotta come, right? I guess a big deal. We need, we need you there. You're going to help us raise these kids. So, so show up. And, and there's things that we're doing that will help you to invite people. That's why we do what we do. And as the band comes and we close out, statistics will show that about 80% of you are here because someone invited you. Someone extended an invitation to you. And today, as you think about who that person is, are you, are you mad at them? Are you mad that they infringed upon your belief system? That they could dare to ask you to come to church? No, right? We're grateful for them. We're thankful for them, that someone had the courage, that someone had the boldness to, 
simply invite. And so we want to equip you with invitations. They're always available to you. There's stacks of them that you can take, keep them in your car, wherever you need to be, that you can just be in the habit. We have to get in the habit of sharing the good news, of sharing our story. You've been sent to your world, to your neighbors. And an invite can change someone's life, can change their family, can change their marriage. And we work very hard to make this a place where you'll never be ashamed or afraid to invite someone to come into here. We have no idea what can happen. But if you do your part, I believe God will do his part. Jesus is patiently waiting. He's holding back on his promise to come and get his church because his will is that none would perish. In Matthew 9, 35 through 38, it said that Jesus was traveling through all the towns and villages of that area, teaching the synagogues, announcing the good news. We keep hearing the good news about the kingdom. He healed people of disease and illness. When he saw the crowds, he had compassion on them because they were confused and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. And he said to his disciples, you see, the harvest is great, but the workers, workers, the fishermen, they're few. So he said, pray to the Lord who is in charge of the harvest and ask him to send more workers into his field. Workers, today, are you willing to make sure that Adventure Church doesn't become a cruise ship, but that we become a fishing boat? Jesus said, pray for workers, people who are willing to work for the good news For me, this is what motivates me, that Jesus still sees people who are confused and helpless. And he has compassion for his kids who are lost. And he sent me and you to tell them the good news. You see, he's gone. He's not here anymore. But he's in you. And he's in you because he desires to do something through you. How cool would it be if the people of Adventure Church became the answer to Jesus' prayer? That we became his workers. And that we were willing to work, whether it was in serving, giving, in every area, to say, I'm going to work for the kingdom. You see, harvest always sounds great, doesn't it? Harvest, it's an increase, it's growth, it's, it's abundance. But ask a farmer about harvest season. They get up when the sun comes up and they work until it comes down because there's a, there's a window. Before cold weather comes, they gotta harvest the crop. And anyone who knows anything about farming realizes that the word harvest and work go together. You can't separate the two. And we believe here, we've seen a harvest of God is bringing people into our church. We believe he can is going to continue to bring people this fall. We see it every year. As we continue to grow, as we expand, as we do those things, 
And if we're gonna see the harvest, if we're gonna be the answer to Jesus's prayer, it's gonna take everybody being willing to work, to do their part of going to their world, of sharing their story and extending an invitation.